and welcome to episode 99, almost at the century mark here for Together BHA. My name is Josh, uh, and for the second week running, uh, unfortunately, the the sudden changes of kickoff times has uh, thrown my guests off kilter, uh, so it is just me again today, uh, as I have been for, you know, 80-odd episodes, so we shall survive. Um... Today we are recording on November 1st. Halloween has come and gone, um, or what you could experience of it, of course, with the whole COVID stuff. Um, sounds like, well it doesn't sound like, it absolutely is, um, the, the lockdown has come back to Europe. Um, France has, has pretty much locked down entirely, uh, which is not ideal. Um, I believe that they are allowed to continue football as well. Uh, I know that, of course, with this coming lockdown, the Premier League and co. are allowed to continue going as well. Um, I don't know what that means for the rest of the groups uh, in terms of, you know, the lower divisions. I'm not sure where 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 do you stop, you know. But at the same time, if they're opening, they're keeping schools open. I think it's a little bit ridiculous in the first place. Um, you know, not that this is a COVID podcast, but... It just seems strange to me to, to keep schools uh, and everything else open if you're closing everything else. But you know what what do I know um, about as much as about as much as the politicians do uh, by the looks of it. So the 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 league is continuing without fans, of course, um, and we shall continue to you know press on with this with this wild ride of a season. Um, the the, talking of fixture changes, we have had yet another one um, because they are continuing to push on with this uh, pay-per-view approach. Um, our game against Burnley is now on Friday, November the 6th, kickoff 5.30pm. Uh, so our guest that is scheduled for the Burnley game will absolutely be available and ready to go uh, because we'll have all weekend to cover it. So that's great. Um in other news, clocks went back in the U- in the US finally this week, so we're now back on level playing field with with the UK with five hours eastern t- eastern to the UK. So for the last week, my kickoff times have been totally thrown off because uh, of that extra hour we get uh, closer to you all for a week or so, which is just just throws me off every single time. Uh, but you know, we're back. We've got games on every day almost at this point with the Champions League in Europe. It's kind of nice at the same time. Uh, especially because we're not um, subject to... Uh, we're not subject to... I forgot what I was going to say. All right, let's cut that out. Cut that. Jesus. Um, all right, cool. So next up, uh, let's talk about Percy Tau. Uh, Percy Tower has been banging him in nine goals, uh, nine, four, go- four goals in nine games. The guy's an absolute machine, um, and you know the rumor is that we may be able to get him in January through the door. Uh, we have been waiting an awful long time to see Percy Tower play in blue and white stripes. So if we can get him in, that would be lovely. Ryan Longman also bagging a bagging a goal uh, this weekend for AFC Wimbledon. That was his third of the campaign as well. The one that, the one that is is a bit of a poor form at the minute is Victor Guerreras. Uh, he is. I don't think he's made a single start yet to his uh, his time in Swansea. Um, bit disappointing. 
Um, and of course, Duffy seems to have lost the plot entirely at Celtic, which is also a big disappointment. But let's move on to the game itself, um, which is Tottenham at home to Brighton over Albion. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the lineup and the release of the formation and lineup that we were given uh, before the game today, because that was one of the biggest talking points that we've seen in a long time. Um, Grand Potter formations and teams and all that stuff is always strange, right? Like, we never know what's coming. Um, but I think nobody could have expected a 3-5-1-1 formation that we seem to roll out uh, with no Matty Ryan, um, with no Neil Mopai, with no Aaron Connolly, um, and Sanchez in goal. We had no striker in the in the in the starting eleven. Um Graham Potter insisted that Leo was the man to be the striker and that's apparently what he was. Um as the game went on, uh, I tweeted it too. Um Trossard is a is a superb player, right? Don't get me wrong, I love him. I think he's a great player. Um he works hard in that forward line. He's dangerous when he's given a chance to um, but make no mistake, he is not a number nine. Like he's not a lone striker, and it showed today. There was numerous times where we attacked, and we were left with nobody in the box. I counted three moments in the first half alone where we were in a position where there could be uh, some serious, you know, chance creation opportunity for us uh, in that first half. And there was nobody in the box for Lalana or Lamptey to pass it to because Trossard had been playing deep with them in the build-up, which is his usual role. But there was nobody where he was supposed to be this time. And that should have been one of the most obvious things that was going to happen. You can't just tell someone to be a striker and they are one. That, You know what I mean? Like You have to develop that game in the same way that Trossard has worked very hard to develop his own. So... The first giant red flag for me is that of the starting 11, there is not a single striker in it. This is exactly what we've been worried about. This is exactly what I said on this podcast a couple of months ago, that if we did not sign a striker, then if we were to lose Mopai and Connolly, we would be in big trouble. Well, sure enough, Mopai and Connolly were not on the squad at all, not in the not on the 18, and we played zero strikers. What's an even bigger red flag for me is that we have signed strikers this this summer and we decided to keep both of them on the bench. Now, if you're signing strikers because we need them and you are not confident enough to play them, that's a concern for me too. What What is wrong with them that they can't play a game of football when there's no other striker option? That, to me, was a concern from the get-go. Potter's lineups are always strange. Um, we're playing a team uh, with, you know, uh, Doherty, uh, Reguon, Reguon uh, Son, Kane, that are well-known for their, their incredibly fast, pacey play that is kind of interlinking and playing all around each other. Um, and... What we decided to do was flesh the team out with a lot of people with not much pace. Lalana, Gross, uh, you know, Byrne, Veltman, Webster. Um, these these players, you know, we 
We could have had Alzate in there over Gross. We could have had Welbeck over in there over Gross. Zakiri in there over Gross. We had lots of options and we didn't choose to take any of them. And that, to me, is, is a concern. Now, onto the t- topic of absences. Was it uh, Mopai and Connolly both being off? Was that a... Uh, was that a COVID-19 thing? Um, I'm not sure. They, they, they asked Potter about Mopai omission, uh, and he said he didn't even address it, actually. He just ignored it, pretty much. Um, I would love to know why it was that he was not played at all. Um, you know, maybe we'll find out in the next day or two, maybe in the following, you know, uh, press conference that we, we had as well. Um, but... It was very strange um, that we didn't have, you know, Mopai or Connolly. You have to think that it was a a problem um, in terms of maybe coronavirus. Now, I did do my searching on Twitter for any post-match comments, and I, d- I didn't hear anything about why they were out. So I've got to assume that it was that, right? Because it's it's their permission. They have to give permission to, to, to release that information. Um, and Brighton typically don't release a great deal of information anyway. They're a pretty private club um, in terms of you know player conditions and stuff like that. So so that wouldn't shock me. Um, but hopefully, whatever that decision was, whether it was that or whether it was a tactical one, which is baffling in and of itself, or whatever, right? Like I hope that they're okay and that we see them next Friday against Burnley because we need one, if not both of them, for sure. Now onto the game itself. I was I was concerned. Uh, I think most people were with the fact of how we lined up, uh, and especially with with you know a team like Son and Kane coming at you. Uh, it was always going to be a tough afternoon, and we started it off in in classic Brighton fashion. Um, I think the plan from Potter was to to frustrate Spurs. Uh, give them problems, give them trouble breaking us down. Uh, maybe try and hit them on the counter-attack a couple of times uh, with Trossard up front and, and March and Lamptey on the wing-backs. Um, and then, you know, break them down from there. And, and as the game goes on, I think the idea was to then bring on, you know, Welbeck and, and a couple of other Alexis McAllister and stuff and, and maybe go for the win. Um, however, in classic Brighton fashion, uh, that did not happen. After 10 minutes, we were 1-0 down. Now... The manner of that goal was a joke, um, in my opinion. Uh, the the Harry Kane situation, um, the ball comes in for a corner, goal mouse scramble, gets cleared out by Basuma, goes very high into the air. He doesn't get a huge amount on it in terms of you know distance out from the goal. Um, and the ball drops, and Harry Kane looks for where the player is coming in, player being Adam Lallana. And has no intention of playing the ball. He doesn't care. He has no intention of playing the ball whatsoever. He backs into Lalana, um, causing him to then fall over uh, and and be given a foul. Now, I don't understand how that was given as a foul for Harry Kane. Um, I have seen Glenn Murray do that exact move dozens of times and always have the foul called on him for backing in in that manner. So what what the difference is there is beyond me. I don't understand how that was a foul uh, that way. Now, the penalty decision itself, um, in that, you know, was he in the box? Yes, he was. 
his feet were on the line when that foul was committed. My issue is, is that wasn't a foul. That was a foul from Harry Kane. Harry Kane should have been booked for that foul. It's a dangerous one. Causing people to to fall from that kind of distance uh, in weird weird positions can, can res- could result in a serious injury at some point. Um, I've seen some footage today showing that this is not Kane's first rodeo. He's done this quite a few times already this year alone. Um, and that's worrying because someone's going to get hurt if he is getting the benefit of the doubt for these decisions. And as per usual, if you're a top six club and you're playing at home against Little Old Brighton, you're going to get that decision your way. Penalty, goal, easy peasy, 1-0 up. Potter's plan is pretty much in tatters in terms of holding them out. Um, and, and from then on, uh, it looked like we were going to be in big trouble, you know, for the rest of the game to try and, A, chase the lead, um, and then, you know, press them and, and cause them problems. Um, but we actually did pretty well. Uh, from For the rest of the half, uh, after that point, we were all over them. Um, we had two shots to their one shot. Uh, nobody had a shot on target, unfortunately. Uh, we dominated possession, 56% possession. We had an 81% pass success rate uh, compared to their 75%. So we were we were a lot better than they were in terms of getting those passes off the mark. Uh, two of those being key passes. Um, Solly March and Leandro Trossard uh, had a key pass each. Uh, we outplayed them in successful dribbles. We outplayed them in corners, 4-0. to zero. Again, we have to score or create chances from corners here. We cannot keep dominating corner stats and not scoring with them. We have Dan Byrne, we have Adam, we have Adam Webster, we have Joel Veltman. Uh, we have you know plenty of people that can cause problems in that box. And we have one of the best set-piece deliveries in the entire league with Pascal Gross. And we're not able to make chances from them. Blows my mind. Like, we have to do better. So at that point, you're coming in at half time and you're thinking we, we probably should be 1-1. You know, from, from the goal, we've dominated the entire rest of the half. We just have not had a chance to score a goal. And this is where that, that issue that I was just talking about comes in. Three times in that first half, I, I watched it happen. There was some beautiful interplay between the front group. Lalana, Trossard, Lamptey, March, Bissouma... And when it came to that final ball, where Mopai always is, in that six-yard box, fox-in-the-box stuff, no one was there. Because they were all too busy playing link-up. Now, that was the difference between going in 1-1 or 1-0 for me. The total lack of a recognised striker cost us a goal in that first half, in my opinion. Um, so we go in at half time, we're 1-0 down, hard done by because the penalty's a joke, should never have been a penalty in the first place, and from then on, we were always going to be in a bit of trouble. Uh, second half comes on, um, Tottenham come out a little bit better off, uh, 51% possession for them now, uh, they started, uh, knocking the ball around a little bit better, um, and then, out of nowhere, uh, the Albion bagged a goal. Um, and, and deservedly so, actually. Uh, now, <laughs> the incident here um, is, is similar to the first one, right? Like, should it have been uh, allowed? Now, what happens is that, uh, <laughs> is that Solly March comes in and tackles the, the midfielder. I think it was Undumbele. 
Um, maybe it wasn't, though. Maybe it was Hoiberg. I think it was Hoiberg, actually. Disregard, I'm pretty sure it was Hoiberg. So, Hoiberg has the ball, and, and Solimarch dives in, and the the commentators and everybody else is fuming, up in arms, about the fact that he didn't get the ball and this goal shouldn't be allowed. Nothing to do with the fact that Kane's goal should never have been allowed either, but they're upset, and the goal itself is a wonderfully worked thing. You know, like, Solimarch doesn't really win that ball, but he gets the ball, and the the simple pass in play across the edge of the box to then leave Tarek Lamptey wide open on that right-hand side, for him to then slot it home is just wonderful. First goal for, for Tarek Lamptey, assist by Pascal Gross, as per usual, Mr. Pascal Gross. Uh, whether he is quick enough or still good enough to be in that starting 11 is debatable. Um, but his ability to put opportunities on a plate is not. Uh, Pascal Gross is a assist slash chance creator monster. And for me, there's no one better. If you want to create chances, you know, there's there's nobody better in terms of that just unbelievable stuff. Uh, we'll get to play a stat shortly, but he was top of the, uh, the, the key pass list as per usual. Um, three key passes in this game. And thoroughly looked you know very comfortable playing the ball around uh my only issue with pascal gross was i felt the the ball went around him very easily because he's not he's so so bloody slow um but so the goal goes in everyone's happy and the commentators are furious they're demanding it's pulled back they are very upset that tottenham are being uh conned out of this which is ironic right um and the referee, for the first time all game, goes to the monitor to watch it. Now, there are two incidents before this. First one being the Harry Kane goal. The referee did not approach the monitor at all for the Harry Kane penalty. He did not go over there and look at A, whether it was a foul uh, on hindsight, or B, whether it was on the line. He left it up to the, the VAR. He did not check it. There was another incident in the first half that I, I omitted by accident. Um, the one time that I did note that Trossard got in the box as a number nine, uh, he was fouled by Matt Doherty. Pretty clearly fouled. Uh, he was totally grabbed and obstructed uh, from making his run and then scoring the goal that would have equalized us. Um, and VAR checked that and didn't give it. They did not... Uh, it would have been a red card as well for Doherty, right? So... That would have been hugely, you know, detrimental to Spurs at their own ground. So I'm not surprised, right? I think I think we're just used to this now. Um, top six teams get precedent, uh, and and VAR is simply just a tool to ensure that they get more decisions than they ever used to before. Um, but if you were wondering as to how biased VAR is, this is the perfect example. The the one time that they bothered to go check the monitor was when there was an opportunity for Brighton to get an advantage, and that was the goal. And what my favorite thing is, is that do I think that VAR is being detrimental to the game? For the most part, yes. Do I think that VAR is creating even more opportunities for bias against the opposition teams, against, you know, big six teams? Absolutely. Do I think that referees are still inept as hell? Yes. 
The fact that that referee went over to that monitor and still gave the goal, even though Solly March did foul him, just reassures me that it doesn't matter how much rigging you do in terms of dodgy VAR results, you can always rely on the referees being that poor and that inept that they will continue to make bad decisions in spite of it. Because he gave a goal there that shouldn't have been given. So, as I said, I think I said it on Twitter, the the thing for me is today I thought VAR was incredibly consistent. They were wrong in every decision they made, but they were consistently wrong. They got the Kane foul wrong, they got the Trossard penalty wrong, and they got the Brighton goal wrong. So, all in all, you know... With VAR are, are nailing it. They're, they're doing exactly what they're asked to do, and that's be consistent. They may be wrong every single time, but fair play to them. You know what I mean? Love it. Um, so that's the goal. It's 1-1. Um, and then at that point, you th- I mean, honestly, we're all over them. Uh, Lo Celso comes on for Tang for Andombele. Um, but, you know, even after the goal, we are continuing to, to really cause them big problems. Um, and, you know, I think that at this point, we are all over it. Uh, we're dominating possession. Uh, we're dominating shots. Uh, we're dominating everything, really. Um, and sure enough, uh, this all just goes wrong. Um, Solly March gets hurt. Bernardo has to come on to replace him. Um, and then five minutes later, Gareth Bale comes on for Eric Lamella. Three minutes after Gareth Bale coming on, uh, the the left back, Regulon, Regulon, uh, has the ball, whips it into the fr- to the kind of near post-ish area of the six-yard box, um, and Gareth Bale is left wide open with uh, zero marking. Webster leaves him all alone uh, to to pop the ball into the back of the net from a free header. Now, this is two things I want to talk about. First of all, Adam Webster. This is something we have seen from him time and time again. He is very prone to leaving a man open. He has done it time and time again. His marking skills are not the best in the world. They're very poor, actually. Um, And secondly is the goalkeeper situation. Today, Sanchez replaced Matt Ryan. Sanchez is, according to the statistics, uh, 6'6". So he is no longer uh, available on the scapegoat market for being too short. Um, We know there are a very big subsection of fans out there that believe Matt Ryan is too short to be a goalkeeper and should never really have been a goalkeeper for the Albion. Um, So A, I'm sure they were delighted to see him dropped uh, for Sanchez. But B, I would like to see what they think with the fact that Sanchez did not come and claim a ball once. Um... And I'll tell you why I think it is. And I'm not sure if I've discussed this in another podcast, but I've seen a lot of criticism from Matt Ryan saying that we don't feel confident with him as a goalkeeper because he doesn't command his box. He doesn't come out. He doesn't claim balls. He doesn't do anything. And after watching a lot of set pieces, my verdict is that it's a tactical decision. I believe, personally, he is told to stay on his line. He is told to be that final gatekeeper, right, as you should be as a goalkeeper, uh, to defend that line from the ball going over it. End of. That's what he's told to do at every set piece. 
with the condition and belief that Adam Webster, Dan Byrne, Lewis Dunk, Joel Veltman, whoever it is, are going to be capable of keeping out the opposition to attackers, right, more often than not. Now, today, uh, we saw something very, very interesting, um, that Tottenham Hotspur had four corners. I watched them. Four corners. And not a single one of them did Sanchez come out for. He didn't come out for absolutely any of them. He stayed rooted to his line. On the other side of the ball, or rather on the other side of the kind of the, the fouls and stuff, um, Tottenham. Tottenham had, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four free kicks in dangerous areas. And of those four that went in, because I was just skipping through the video, of the four that went in, Sanchez did not move off of his line that were in a, you know, off his line position. This is no doubt in my mind that this is a, a, a tactical decision by the Albion and Potter. And at this point, that that kind of attack on Ryan is dead, you know? Like, if you're a six foot six goalkeeper and you're not coming off your line to claim balls, you're being told not to claim balls. Or you're not confident enough to, in which case he's not the right decision to be a goalkeeper for this club. Now, I don't think he had a bad game. At all. I thought his distribution was good. Uh, I thought his, uh, you know, he didn't really have many saves to make. Um, but I thought he wasn't a bad player. Uh, you know, it's a huge step up for Sanchez. Um, but I don't think he was altogether bad. Uh, you know, they only had three shots on target and they scored with two of them. So there isn't much more you can do. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, same as Matty Ryan. He has been left in that situation in the same way. And now we're seeing the same happen for Sanchez, and, and that's just the way it is. Now on to the player statistics, uh, or just kind of player performances. Um, let's talk about one or two players that were a little bit disappointing today. Um, first of all, Dan Byrne. Uh, I thought Dan Byrne was pretty poor today, actually. Um, he looked, I don't know, just not quite his usual self. Um I don't know, I've not really got much more to put towards it than that. I just thought Dan Byrne was kind of not great. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because he was next to Joel Veltman, um, who I thought was superb today. Uh, I thought him and Webster, barring Webster's screw-up for the marking, uh, were very good today. Um, I think they kept Kane and Son as quiet as they could. Uh, Veltman is fast, bruh. Quick, 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 quick. Veltman surprised me. The way he marauded forward a couple of times, um, I was very impressed. Very, 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 very impressed with Joel Veltman today. Um, Lewis Dunk will obviously come back into the side, uh, but I think it has to be at the expense of Dan Byrne, no doubt in my head. Um, there's no way that Veltman should lose his spot for the last two games. Um, I think he's been excellent. On to, uh, oh, and I, I'll tell you, I thought Bernardo was disappointing too today. Uh, I thought we looked a much worse team when Sonny March went off. Um, and even right at the end, like last touch of the game, Bernardo gets the ball out wide and just like, just whipped the ball in. And he didn't. He slowed the ball down and played the ball back. And it was a poor pass, which left it kind of isolated, which the ref jumped on to call for full time. Like, that's poor. Are we going to score from that opportunity? Probably not. But you've got to do more for it than that. So that was pretty disappointing. Um, 
as I said, I thought Joel Veltman was superb. Uh, I thought Solly March also played very well today. Uh, you know, I think he was one of those players that were well and truly there or thereabouts all of the time. Uh, one key pass, uh, won a couple of aerial battles today. 52 touches of the ball, um, so he saw the ball plenty as well, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, had two successful dribbles, which was joint most today. Um, and, you know, I thought he was just genuinely a, a, a very solid player. Uh, defensively, he was, uh, you know, he had a successful tackle, a successful interception, a successful clearance. Um, I thought he did a really good job of keeping that side pretty quiet until he went off. And I truly believe if he would have been on the pitch when Bale came on, um, I think he would have kept Bale a lot more quiet as well, personally. Um, but he can't win them all. Um, now, for me, uh, the biggest surprise of the game really was Pascal Gross. Uh, he looked way off the pace and yet was very good at playing the ball through himself. Um, he's almost playing like a, just like, you know, in the old, like when you would train football or like if you still do train football and every now and again, you would do an exercise where one person would be in the middle or like would be on the wing or whatever and you had to stand still and you could only distribute. I feel like that's Pascal Gross's role right now. I feel like Pascal Gross is being told just as soon as you get the ball, distribute it forward or back, just distribute it. Your your passing skill is is above and beyond. You know what I mean? Like it's superb stuff. Uh, you know, only Joel Veltman had a better pass accuracy than than Pascal Gross. He had, you know, he was top on key passes, which doesn't shock anybody, surely, by now. Um, and he, you know, he was he was well and truly uh, a through fair for our, for our attacking football. Um, and I think that was in replacement of Lalana, right? Like, I think Lalana was asked to play further up, uh, so Pascal Gross could, could replace him almost in that role. And personally, what I think they should have done is bring on a striker instead. But whatever. Um, man of the match, though, has to be Tarek Lamptey. First goal for the club, uh, two successful dribbles, was fouled more than anybody else. Uh, you know, I thought he was just absolutely superb today. Um, he is terrifying defences as a right wing back all over the place. Uh, he had 53 touches of the ball today, uh, kind of middle of the pack there, um, 30 accurate passes, uh, two out of his three attempted dribbles were successful. Uh, six out of his seven ground jewels were dubs. He was dangerous over the ground. He kept Son basically anonymous uh, for a lot of the game. Two successful interceptions. He won four fouls. That is more than anybody else by some distance. Uh, next up was Adam Webster, Bissouma, and Veltman with two fouls, one each. So he doubled all of them. And then, of course, scored the goal. Um, I thought Lamptey was superb. Think we were hard done by, um, but I feel like we continue to say that every week, and it's getting tired. Um, there has got to be a point in time where you play well and you play lovely football, but you also score goals and win points. Um, and we are not doing the second half right now enough, and that is horrific. We need to win points, and it starts Friday. We need 
to beat Burnley. I'm calling it a must-win right now. The Together BHA podcast is calling Burnley at home a must-win because we are already behind schedule where we should be um, in terms of points won with that poor result against West Bromwich Albion. And we simply must win that game against Burnley. We cannot come away from those two games with like just what one point to show from it worst case you know what i mean like if we were to lose against burnley we would come away with one point against two of them polite teams not okay in my opinion and the games after that you know what i mean we have a nice run of games up to christmas after that um villa liverpool southampton leicester fulham sheffield united west ham and arsenal um, into the new year. So, I mean, we have a couple of tougher games, but for the most part, uh, there are games there where there are points to be won. Uh, Fulham, Southampton, Villa, Sheffield United, West Ham. Uh, there's no reason to think we can't go ahead and, and try and take some points from teams in there. And uh, that would be lovely if we could get off the mark. Uh, because we are now uh, winless since Preston. So we have not won a game uh, it's now the uh, going to be the 6th of November, our next game. We last won a Premier League game on the 20th of September. Um, not good, is it, really? Uh, not good at all. No Lewis Dunk doing his last, uh, last three-match ban. And we've got a lot of work to do. Hopefully we see Mopai back uh, after the, um, you know... After the, the weird omission, same goes for Connolly. Um, I think we were begging for, for an extra dimension up there uh, all game. And yeah, so that's all from me. Uh, I will see you next week for episode 100. Burnley at home. Bit of an under uh, underwhelming achievement if we were to lose that one as well. Or even just get a draw. Piss poor. So yeah, be safe. Have a good week. Um, everybody in the US, uh, I could not care less who you vote for. Um, and if you do not want to vote, that is also your democratic right to not vote. So that is really just a message uh, to have people stop asking me to vote. Because I can't legally vote in the US. I'm not a citizen here. I never will be a citizen here. Stop asking me to vote. Um... I hate politics, so just do what you want. Uh, but be please, 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 please stay safe. Whoever wins, I know you don't like whoever is going to win. No one's, everyone's going to be upset. But don't get angry and violent, please. We just need to get on with it. Um, and and more so than anything, uh, my PS Five is due for delivery the following week, and I'd really appreciate it if we didn't get any. Uh, too much wild shit going on so it couldn't get del delivered um but keep that on the down low all right see you late later next week peace bye